wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we're responding to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is really wonderful uh, to be able to uh, share with you once again. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is fantastic uh, to have you uh, on board and uh, and sharing with us. This week, uh, we're looking at the relevance of Easter in a post-biblical world. Uh, we've entitled the overall week, The Cross is Not Enough. The Cross is Not Enough, of course, because without the resurrection, uh, the cross would not be enough. Uh, on Monday, we asked, should I celebrate Easter? And uh, that was a really uh, great, uh, great discussion. Discussion there uh, between uh, my mates uh, uh, Will Mawala and uh, uh, and Pastor Joseph Matichic. Uh and uh, yesterday uh, we asked, uh, "Did Jesus really exist?" That is so foundational uh, to everything that uh, uh, that Christmas, uh, that Easter. Easter does actually stand for. Uh, and today, uh, I'm, uh, we're talking, uh, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is it fact or is it fiction? And today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher, and David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome aboard, David. How are you, Gary? It's really good to be joining you again. Uh, it is fantastic to have you back again. Isn't it a magic day outside again? Look, it's absolutely wonderful. I really love the uh, sunny weather. I'm slightly getting used to not having daylight saving, but it doesn't uh, really gel with Toughen me. up, Dave. I toughen know. up. You will be fine. It's uh, uh, No, no. Adelaide at this time of the year, uh, spring and autumn in Adelaide, there is no better place in the world uh, to live than uh, than Adelaide at this time of the year. Look, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Last Sunday morning, uh, my wife and I we went riding through the Adelaide Hills, which are basically just out of Adelaide for anyone that hasn't been here. And they go up about seven, 800 metres at its highest point. But just uh, we were cycling and, and just cycling through the hills, you know, on these little roads, um, looking at the beautiful autumn colours and leaves falling and, and the, the leaves changing. It's just so beautiful. Now, do I understand that your wife actually cheats a little bit on uh, this uh, on this bike ride? I need to be careful. She might be listening. No, look, she has an e-bike and I have just a road bike. And um, so, yeah, look, it's an 11 kilometre continual climb yeah. um, up out of Adelaide. And um, yeah, she's got an e-bike, but... Uh, yeah, unlike what most people may think, you still have to pedal. It's a very heavy bike, but it's very sturdy, got a good bat- yeah, battery, yeah. and about 25 kilo in weight, and it's wow. speed limited. So uphill, she's fine, but downhill, um, you know, she might be doing 30 kilometers an hour, and I'll be doing about 60. Wow, wow, wow. I've probably got you into a bit of trouble tonight. You mightn't get dinner when you get home uh, uh, home today. Uh, um, uh, hello to Megan. I know that Megan sometimes does actually uh, listen uh, to uh, uh, to our presentation here on uh, on. Faith FM. Now, tell, tell me, David, what are you planning on doing over the Easter break? Yeah, look, uh, thanks, Gary. Really good. Um, 
Yeah, look, having some time off with family, um, you know, Megan and I going away for, for a little bit, our kids as well, but um, gardening and just spending time outside, I think, and, and together as a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a lovely time to do that. I know that I'm, uh, I've got the privilege we're going to be heading down to uh, uh, just doing a little bit of uh, camping on the, uh, on the York Peninsula and, uh, and really looking forward to just having just a few days uh, where we can, uh, I'm, pull my fishing rod out and uh, see if I can uh, try some of those King George whiting uh, that are so prolific at, uh, at this time of the year. It's interesting, Gary, isn't it? We live in such a busy, frenetic world. And I said to you when I got on, I said, I'm tired, you know, it's busy. Yeah. And I know you're the same and our listeners know that would be the same. And so when we look for time out, um, sometimes it's stopping, but often it's getting out in nature. It is. It is. And I think that's what God designed for us, wasn't it? That, that we can be recharged just sort of, and it's soothing and it's calming and relaxing just being in nature. That's such an powerful and important point, you know, because it's, I, I find myself, it's the silence as well. In fact, myself, when I know when I go for my walk each, each morning, one of the things I don't wear headphones, uh, because I love to hear, you know, the birds chirping. And I can, I know when the, you know, the Maggie's come on and I know the, you know, Rosella's where they come on and I can hear them the whole way around and to me it is so uplifting uh, to be able to get get outside and, and do that sort of thing absolutely yeah yeah but look Dave look let's come to our world watch uh, segment and look I'm just really conscious over the last um, probably the last few weeks uh, I've just been noticing a series of uh, articles have been coming to the uh, Christian headlines website that I, I do watch and uh, particularly it's talking about the issue of uh Christian persecution at this particular point in time. Do you know, David, one of the things I'm really conscious of, I mean, we're celebrating the Easter season. Now, of course, Easter season was the time when, when Christ was, uh, we remember the crucifixion of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And of course, if ever there was a more horrific way to die, um, I don't know what it is. The, the cross was an absolutely horrendous, uh, device. Now, you know, what we find though is that increasingly in our world, uh, Christianity is facing in many parts of the world persecution. Now, um, about, uh, I noticed the first article back in about mid-February this year, and uh, it, this was primarily talking about uh, persecution in, in China. And uh, this was what the article said. Chinese government uh, is, well, this, this one wasn't so much persecution, but it was talking about the attitude to the Bible. Chinese government is rewriting the Bible with communist principles. The what a watchdog group is warning. And, uh, as, uh, as I read this particular article, it, it really, uh, it challenged me to my very core. Uh, the voice of the martyrs, uh, watchdog group, uh, has warned that the Chinese government is currently attempting to rewrite the word of God in accordance with communist Values. Now, when I read this, I thought, wow, what an impact this could actually have. Uh, this is a project that the Chinese Communist Party announced in 2019. At that time, they said it would be about a 10-year process to release a new translation of the Bible. He noted that the reimagined scriptures would include a variety of principles, including Confucianism and Buddhism. The new translation would really support Com the Communist Party, uh, the a spokesperson said 
in a recent post uh, on Facebook, Voice of the Martyrs pointed out that the Chinese uh, Communist Party's revisions of the Bible include core socialist values and the removal of passages that do not reflect communist beliefs. One example of the changes was revealed in a high school textbook released uh, just uh, September last year. In the textbook, the uh, party uh, changed several verses in John 8. Voice of the Martyrs said uh, in the social media part, they referred to the story of the adulterous woman um, that had been caught in adultery uh, by the Pharisees and uh, the Pharisees called to stone her uh, as is dictated under Mosaic law. The the party's translation, however, alters the story where Christ ends up stoning the woman as he admitted, I am also a sinner. You know, when I read that, I, I thought, wow, I mean, that that takes, what does that do to the Bible? What does it do to your conception of Jesus Christ? What does it do to the undermining of, uh, of that? You know, I, I really feel for the for believers in China who have to deal with this type of uh, this type of issue? It is just incredible, isn't it, to think that the scriptures have survived, um, you know, for thousands of years, yeah. and yet here again, and it's not the first time, is it, that uh, no. states and powers have tried to change scripture or suppress it or destroy it? Exactly, exactly, and you know, I mean. The question, of course, is how do you respond to this? Well, of course, you know, I'm sure, you know, I mean, believers, um, I'm not sure how much uptake this new version would ever, would ever have. I mean, that to me would have to be the the ultimate question because I, my, my suspicion is it won't have a very big uptake. But hey, I mean, I'm just uh, sitting over here in, uh, in Oz. Um, and now look, and then, um, April 7, about uh, two weeks after that uh, first article, this article uh, popped up. Uh, and again, uh, speaking of China, new Chinese law bans the word Christ on social media, says because it causes incitement. Uh, China has banned Christ and other religious words from social media apps under a new policy that went into effect on March 1 this year. The Chinese Communist Party's new law uh, dubbed the uh, Measures for the Administration of Internet if internet religious information services prohibits individuals and organizations from posting religious information on the internet unless they've first obtained permission from a provincial government department, according to China Aid, which monitors religious freedom within the country. Now, you know, to me, I'm just so conscious, um, um, David, that, you know, I mean, I... I've I've got some I do some internet uh, work, but if every time uh, I had to uh, I was going to be edited every time I said the word Christ by the government by the government, I I would be looking at this and I mean how do you deal with this? It's it's really interesting, is it? Because with social media today, we know that some of the big players, you know, with Donald Trump, uh, with the American elections, he's yeah. been banned off some of these platforms. We even know now that uh, Facebook and some of these other platforms will remove content um, at, at their discretion. Uh, and, and so that's even Christian content. So there yeah. is an element of this already 
But clearly, um, we don't have to go to the government to speak the name Christ. But look, Gary, it reminds me of Acts 5. Please. And, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 4. And this is where, um, uh, Peter and John are before the, um, uh, the Sanhedrin. Uh, they can tell that these men are untrained and uneducated, Acts 4. Uh, and they can tell they've been with Jesus. And so they command them, they command them, they bring them in, and it says in verse 17, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name, the name mm. of Jesus. That's what, mm. essentially what you've just read, you know, exactly. not being able to use the name of Christ yes. on social media. And so when they call Peter and John in, it says, um, uh, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Mm. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And um, whether it's this uh, world great superpower, China, communist China, whether it's a local government, whether it's a religious power, whether regardless of who it is, the word of God cannot be stopped by people that have taken it inside and who have been changed by yeah, the Holy yeah. Spirit. And even here in Australia, legislation is being introduced in some places uh, where Christians uh, actually have to defy that uh, that legislation if they are actually going to obey the command of Christ. That's true. And, and I think something else from that first article you read, Gary, uh, the importance of, um, you know, when the scriptures are being changed, the communist mm. Bible, if you like, the importance of um, memorizing scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Because that can't be taken away. It can't be. It can't be. You know, David, the thing that really jumped out at me, though, and I've just got one last uh, article here that actually came uh, up on the Christian Headline site just uh, uh, just yesterday. And uh, to me, this was the thing that's pulled it all together uh, for me because you just correctly read that particular passage in the book of Acts. But that's precisely what is occurring right now. And this was the, um, this was the title of this particular article. Uh, this was yesterday on the Christian Headline site. Uh, if I shall be incarcerated, then so be it. China church leader won't stop spreading the gospel. And uh, and this is what he says. A leader of an illegal house church in China says he does not fear the government and will continue preaching the gospel despite engaging in activity that could land him in prison. The man, known only as Gunai for security reasons, uh, leads a church in the, in the city of Chendao and has had his water and electricity cut off by police as an intimidation tactic. He also has been detained multiple times. Despite this, Aginai told International Christian Concern that he will continue to spread the good news. I am not afraid of the gospel of the um, government's secret investigation. Our faith. Uh, is to declare with your mouth and believe with your heart, publicly testifying for him in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, it is neither the church's responsibility, nor does it have the capacity to counter the police investigation. Uh, we are a fellowship formed by God's children, not a spy agency. Our purpose uh, is so that the soul, that the souls of men uh, might live in truth, freedom and joy, and not make our flesh more secure, and not make our flesh more secure. Protestant and churches in China are required to become members of the of the government.
government-backed three-self-patriotic movement, an action that technically uh, makes the congregations legal, but also elicits severe restrictions such as editing of sermons. Children also are forbidden from attending three-self-churches. Because of this, millions of Christians such as Gunai worship in illegal house churches. Uh, Since I have not lost faith, I will keep trying to live my life to do the following. I will share the gospel with people in freedom and joy. Receive new brothers and sisters and disciple a train and disciple and train preachers to plant churches. If I am incarcerated, he said, so be it. Uh, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. You know, as I read that, I sort of thought, David, hey, now this is powerful. Well, it really hits home, doesn't it? Um, what value do we place upon the Word of God and the mission of God? It does. And Gary, we're living in really crazy times. And just this last Sabbath, this last Saturday, at one of the churches I visited, it's the Morfitt Vale Church, it was really powerful to see. We had a new person uh, just uh, walking off the street that, that Sabbath, and um, he had been reading a book that was given to him called The Great Controversy, uh, and um, he had uh, has a um, Jehovah's Witness background. But he was searching. Uh, and then two to three other people in the last couple of weeks have also walked in off the street because of what's going on in the world. And um, yes, we're living in increasing times where Christianity is, is marginalized and is being squashed. Mm. But we're also living in times where people are waking up wanting to know what the real answers are. And that's so true. I mean, just a couple of days ago, I can't, I had a gentleman actually ring me up and uh, he, he certainly just asked me, he said, look, hey, you know, I'm wanting to come along to one of your, one of your churches. Now, uh, you know, to me for a long time, uh, I suppose, you know, as, as a pastor, I've been the one who's had to sort of try to go out and, 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 and encourage initiate. people and initiate and, and encourage people to come, come along and, and and worship, but that's role reversal is starting to happen. Uh, to me, this is incredibly powerful. We're living in strange and uh, and wonderful times. Uh, I think the Spirit of God is moving in a very beautiful way uh, right now, but times are getting more challenging. So we need to make use of what Jesus talks about, making use of the day while it's still day, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He does, indeed. Look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, love uh, uh, love this, uh, this particular rendition. This is Catherine Scott. Uh, when I survey the wondrous cross, this is uh, following, once again, the, uh, the theme of, uh, of the Easter season. When I survey the wondrous cross. Please, please enjoy. When I survey Oh. 
Love demands my soul. My life, my own. And that was uh, Catherine Scott. When I survey the wondrous cross, that's a beautiful prayer, isn't it? Uh, this is uh, certainly uh, fits uh, so much of uh, what people, uh, many people, are thinking about uh, this uh, Easter. Season uh, now, folks. We do have um, a free gift uh, for you uh, today, and uh, this is a really beaut uh, beaut book. Now, uh, we've got uh, all this week. We're uh, offering the book Steps to Christ. Now, this is a real beauty. Uh, David, are you aware of the book Steps to Christ? Yes, look, this has been a bestseller and is a bestseller. It's an incredible little pocket-sized book and, yeah, it leads us uh, into and gives us the keys or the steps, if you like, in how to form a friendship with Jesus. Mm. Uh, very, very easy to read and it's been translated, I think, into roughly a 100 languages and um, has been uh, its author, Ellen White, I believe, is the most uh, published... Uh, Female, female or. author um, in the world, yeah, I believe. So, yeah, look, an incredible little book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and life changing. It's it's absolutely life changing. It's the sort of thing that I certainly uh, use uh, for my devotional time. It's a book that I love to be able to read early in the morning when I get up before I go for my walk. I try to have some devotional time, and uh, the book Steps to Christ is a real little beauty. I I love uh, that uh, that particular book. Now, look, guys, if you would like to get your own copy of Steps to Christ, uh, what you need to do is is this is uh, text us here at our studio. Text now. Our number is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. That number again is oh four triple eight. 80811. Now, all you need to do is to text us, and for this week, the code is SA40. Now, we have had um, a number, we've had a, a couple of people uh, text in uh, just, just in the last day or so. One person went, uh, put an SA with a gap between the 40, uh, and uh, we had somebody else uh, who put uh, SA drive time, and uh, we really appreciate your uh, your acknowledgement. Um, but uh, guys, look, uh, um, our um, uh, we have our our friend Faithful. Now, Faithful's a robot, and uh, he can't pick up uh, those uh, those codes. So, look, can I please ask you, if uh, uh, if you haven't been contacted by Faithful, can you please uh, just uh, resubmit uh, that uh, that code? So just text us to 04-888-808-11 with the code SA40, with no gap between the SA and the 40. Uh, oh, good old Faithful. He's a wonderful robot, but he really get because starts to struggle when there's a gap between the SA and the and the forty. So, uh, guys, if you can possibly um, just uh, SA forty to o four triple eight eight o eight eleven, and uh, he'll contact you and get the details that uh, we need, so we can get this book to you in the fastest uh, possible way. Uh, now. You are, Gary. Gary. Yeah, yeah, you you do, yeah, Gary. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just got to interrupt there, interject. This is live, and this is live radio. Isn't it a bit of an oxymoron that you can have a robot that's faithful? 
Well, that's what we call him. He's, you know, he's faithful. You know, I mean, he does. We don't have to feed him. But isn't this a program where we speak truth? It is indeed. I'll leave it there and let you go back <laughs> Let's to keep it. moving. Let's keep moving. Um, uh, now, listen, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time. It's a big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. And it's uh, it's great to have him, uh, him on board. Uh, now, this week uh, we're looking at the relevance of Easter in the post a biblical world and we've entitled the overall week the cross is not enough the cross is of course not enough because without the resurrection the cross would not be enough now, on monday we asked should i celebrate easter and we look some of the at some of the uh, pagan traditions that have uh, certainly uh, been connected to uh, to this time of the year uh, and yesterday uh, we asked did jesus really exist that's really foundational there are so many people who who struggle uh, with that particular issue there are some who suggest that Christ didn't really exist anyway. But, of course, the evidence, even the secular evidence from non-biblical sources is so clear on that particular uh, matter. Now, today, we want to talk the subject of uh, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Now, this one's really key. Now, I'm just so conscious that there are um, a multitude, uh, certainly of, uh, of of highly trained theologians that uh, start to cast doubt on the authenticity of uh, Christ's resurrection. And yet when you look at the available evidence, uh, to me, I'm overwhelmed. David, help us out. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Yes, so we can finish the program. He certainly did. And this is probably uh, one of the most important questions uh, to establish Christianity, the veracity of Christianity. Yeah. And uh, today is really part one. Uh, because tomorrow you do not want to miss this program, listeners. So please tune in tomorrow afternoon. Now, of course, this is Pastor um, Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan tomorrow are going to be talking about why does the resurrection matter? Yeah, why is it important? So that's really critical. Now, it might sound that that's pretty obvious, but we want you to tune in tomorrow afternoon and not miss that vital program. So our question today, did Jesus really rise from the dead? It's important. It's important. So, uh, look, um, many scholars have written on this, and uh, many critics of Christianity have questioned, you know, can someone really rise from the dead? Mm. Uh, is it fable? Is it fiction? Is something distorted? You name it. So let's look at it, shall we? I guess the first piece of evidence, Gary, that would be good to bring forward and for us to consider, did Jesus really rise from the dead, is that Jesus himself... Uh, testified and talked about his resurrection that would come after his death. In other words, before he died, before he died, he uh, spoke to his disciples, saying, "This is what's going to happen," but. Something else is going to happen as well. Exactly. And so this is written down in the Gospels, Mm. uh, which were written after his death, but these things were said before his death. Mm. So let me give you an example. Um, In uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 31, it says, And he, that's Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man, it's a name for himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Mm. Uh, so Jesus is telling his followers, look, I'm going to be killed. Uh, 
after three days I will rise again. And this is the Easter story, is it not? No, this was the expectation of Christ. But of course, his disciples had real difficulty actually taking that on board. They really did. And um, they didn't understand it. In fact, at one point in Matthew 16, when Jesus sort of tells Peter that he must suffer, Peter pulls him aside and rebukes him. Yeah. Now, I can imagine, you know... He, my picture Jesus rebuking people, he did that. But what about people rebuking Jesus? I love the way he actually did rebuke Peter. You know, get thou behind me, Satan. Satan. I mean, that's fairly blunt. So this was an anathema. It was yeah. it just so wrong that Jesus the Messiah, the one that they believed would uh, rid uh, Judea and Jerusalem and, and Galilee of the Roman oppression, that he would in fact die by the Romans. Mm. Uh, so Jesus predicted that he would die, but importantly... I mean, we can all predict we're going to die, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, even the way he would die, but he predicted, more importantly, that he would rise again on the third day, Sunday morning. Now, that, to me, is something truly remarkable. You know, David, uh, I have I know that I've uh, uh, conducted many, many funerals throughout my uh, my ministerial career. Uh, I've put many people in the, in the ground. Um, but, you know, David, the one thing I've never done, I have never seen somebody come out of the ground. No, absolutely. And I guess this will be touched on more tomorrow, but what you say is so important. Again, another verse to look at in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus answered and said to them that he would destroy this temple, talking of his body, and in three days I will raise it up. Mm. Now, you've either got to be a mad, you've got to be mad or deluded or telling the truth. You've got to be able to back it up with substantive evidence if, in fact, you're going to make a statement like that. Now, we need to remember the context, don't we? In John chapter 11, this is sometime before the uh, trial and crucifixion of Jesus. Sometime before, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, who has been dead four days. Mm. Um, yeah. And this is evidence that yeah. he, he speaks things into existence and he calls them back into existence. He has the power over life and death. I mean, that's certainly what the whole resurrection of Lazarus thing actually said to the disciples and certainly even to the Pharisees and the scribes at that uh, that particular time because this made them uh, incredibly fearful when they realised that the power that Jesus actually Absolutely. had. Absolutely. And yet in John chapter 11, diverging just for a little bit, Gary, in John chapter 11, one of the things that I find so ironical and quite funny is that after Raz- Lazarus is brought back to life, the Jewish leaders plan how they can not only kill Jesus but plot to kill the one that Jesus brought back to life. <laughs> it's just like they're fighting a losing battle. It, it is. It is. It, it, it's desperate type stuff, isn't it? And so, Gary, as we continue on this, I want to just encourage our listeners, whatever they might be struggling with, whether it's with faith or something else, when you're with Jesus, you're on the winning side because he did rise from the dead. So Jesus testified before his death that he would die, how he would die, but he would come back to life. Okay. It hasn't happened, right? Yep. Um, You know, other people have... Haven't, that hasn't happened to them without yeah. the power of God. It's interesting, but his accusers, his enemies, also noted what Jesus had said about himself and that he would rise from the dead. In fact, um, Matthew twenty seven sixty three, in his trial there, uh, one of his accusers said this was part of, uh, he said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. So this is after his death. They're remembering what Jesus had said. 
the, the, the religious leaders, they knew what had happened to to um, uh, to Lazarus, and they knew what he had said, and they were scared boys. Absolutely. And then in Matthew twenty six sixty one, at his trial, uh, one says, And this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it up in three days. So Jesus believed that he would rise from the dead. He said he would. Uh, and his accusers, his enemies, noted that, remembered that. In fact, that was what drove um, the religious leaders to um, put a guard around the tomb of Jesus. In fact, um, maybe we'll get to that shortly, actually. Well, yeah, we'll get to that one shortly. So on um, on Sunday morning, Jesus was crucified on the preparation day, which is Friday, mm-hmm. the day before the Sabbath, crucified on Friday, rested in the tomb on the seventh day, Saturday the Sabbath. Yep. And that's what the Sabbath is. It's a rest. It's a rest. And that's Jesus, what Jesus did. Jesus honored that commandment. But then on the first day of the week, early on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the grave. Mm. And so um, in Luke 24, verse 3, uh, you've, got, um, uh, you've got the story here. And I'll read this verse, um, Luke 24, 3. Uh, it's, uh, we'll start at verse 1, actually. Luke 24, 1 to 3. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of Jesus. Mm. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this time that, behold, two men stood before them shining in garments. So uh, we find here that... Um, very early in the morning, uh, the women go to the tomb to embalm his body and, and prepare his body uh, the right burial because they were going to do that Friday afternoon, but the yeah. Sabbath was drawing on if you read the Gospels. So they paused that. They honored the Sabbath even though the creator of the Sabbath was dead. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning, first day of the week, a day of work, not of worship. They rushed to the tomb bright and early to, to do what they wanted to do Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. to honor Jesus by embalming him properly and, and caring for his body. But the stone is rolled away. Jesus, who is God, mm. is not there. Is not there, and they are perplexed. So, Gary, um, something's happened, right? Something's happened. So, some possible uh, explanations for his body not being there uh, could be that his enemies stole his body. Mm. But uh, why would they want to do that? Because um, surely if the Jews stole his body, that would only give rise to this Christian faith, mm. that he said he was going to rise from the I mean, dead. the reason the, they requested this guard, uh, this was a, a, a centurion and probably his century, his hundred soldiers. Can you imagine uh, being given that particular job? We've got, uh, you know, a hundred soldiers standing outside all night, um, a dead, a dead man's tomb just to make sure that the dead man, uh, stays in his tomb. Who I does, mean, you don't I do mean, that for anyone, right? Who, who does that? I mean, you don't do that. And, and that, that's found in Matthew 28, 11 to 13. Now, now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city. So the soldiers have seen an angel come down. They've fallen to the ground yep. like dead men with one angel. And, uh, Jesus comes out of the tomb and, these soldiers then rush into the city, report to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, you can just imagine the stress that these oh, yeah, yeah. religious leaders were under. <laughs> uh, it says they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. So this is really important. 
Even his detractors, his enemies that plotted and wanted him killed, the Jewish leadership, they acknowledged that the tomb was empty. Okay. okay. And so they wouldn't have stolen the body, yet they, they confirm credible witnesses that it was empty. And, and they prepared to actually bribe the witnesses to change their story. Now, if Jesus um, had have been alive, sorry, if he had have, uh, his body had been whisked off, they would have liked to have found the body if he had been. Oh, how there. easy it would have been to, to, to decry the whole thing and just by saying, well, here's the body here. You know, here, here it is. You know, I mean, they knew where they put the body. Uh, there was, if they had the body, all they had to do is to produce it. Yeah, and it's interesting, Gary. Um, could his disciples have stolen the body? I would say definitely not. If you look at John chapter 20, I think it is, verse 19, on that first day of the week, just before Jesus comes and appears to them, it says there in John chapter 20 that the disciples were in that room, the upper room presumably, with the door barred for fear of the Jews. Mm. So these disciples' lives are in a mess. They're distraught. They're, they're, they've got trouble. Trauma, you name it. And they're fearful that what they've done to their master, these soldiers and religious leaders will now do to them. How could they overthrow a whole guard of soldiers, trained killers, if you like, and they're mere fishermen? It doesn't make sense, does it? No. So they couldn't have stolen the body. Another argument that's been put is that Jesus was not dead. It only seemed as though he was dead. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Well, to me, you know, it's it, it's unlikely. I mean, it, once you go through the uh, the horrors of the crucifixion story, I mean, he has been uh, flogged with forty lashes, one minus forty nine, uh, thirty nine twice. Uh, he's been. I mean, people often died under the lashing alone. Dehydrated. Uh, dehydrated. He's lack been, of sleep. Lack of sleep. He's been put on the uh, the cross, and then uh, just for uh, added measure, they've put a spear uh, right into his heart. These these guys are trained professional killers. That's what these soldiers do. They don't stuff up. They don't. You know, if you, you get put on the cross, then you're dead at the end of it. And so if you read Roman history, they they really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They made a, they, they really turned crucifixion into an art form. They did. They made it last as long as possible with the most pain as possible, but it always resulted in death. Yeah. But with Jesus, as you said, they threw a spear in his side, he died early. Yeah. So some skeptics say, well, it just appeared as though he died. Um, well, if it appeared as though he died and he'd been lashed and beaten and, and uh, nails through his hands and his feet and spear through his side, where would have he got the strength from to push away a stone and then to overcome all those guards? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't happen. It becomes ludicrous after, after when you start thinking about it, doesn't it, you know? And, you know, to me, this is, to me, the thing that is so wonderful about this, and look, we're going to go to a break right now, but the thing that I just love so much is that there is just so much evidence about the resurrection that I've, I've actually said to a number of people, look, guys, what we're dealing with here is not a faith story. We're dealing with an evidence-backed story. We're dealing with something that is evidence-backed, not faith-backed. And it's credible. In the first century, this was uh, this was thoroughly uh, thoroughly credible to everyone who heard it. Look, Dave, let's go to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, uh, once again this is Glory for, and uh, the song is at uh, Calvary. Uh, please, please enjoy. Spending vanity and pride 
The uh, song was at uh, at Calvary. Uh, what a what a brilliant. Uh uh, song that uh, that really is. Uh, now, guys, look. Uh, don't forget our free gift uh, for you today. That uh, free gift is the book uh, Steps to Christ, a beautiful book. If you'd like your own copy of uh, the book Steps to Christ, I use it as a devotional book. This is a really uh, colourful one that uh, we're giving away. Uh, the text number here at the studio is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and uh, you just uh, the code is SA forty. No gap between the SA and the forty. And uh, our uh, robot faithful, he'll um, he'll contact you and uh, get the details that uh, he needs, so that he can uh, 
um, so that he can get that book to you in the fastest possible way. Now, look, guys, also, that number is also useful for another reason, 0488-80811. If you've got any messages or any thoughts that you'd like to share with us, you can actually share them with us. They come directly to us here at the studio. Now, uh, I just want to say a really big thank you to uh, uh, to Stephen, just uh, text, uh, text in just uh, a few minutes ago, and uh, he... Uh, uh, he made this uh, this comment. He was talking about the story we told of all that's occurring over in China at this particular time, particularly with the rewriting of the scriptures. He shared a promise with us, and I really do appreciate this, uh, Stephen. Uh, Hi, Gary and David, he says. I just wanted to share this promise, which relates to what you've been discussing, particularly in regards to the new Chinese translation. Uh, the words of the Lord are pure words, are like silver. Tried in the furnace of the earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You will preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm 12, verse uh, 6 and 7. Uh, there's a promise that uh, our God is faithful uh, and he will preserve his word. How powerful is that? And Stephen, thank you so much for that promise because uh, that is something we must not forget, uh, even with uh, all that is impacting our world at uh, at this particular point in time. Uh, 04 888 11 is that number again if you want to make uh, some uh, some comment. Uh, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big uh, Q&A with Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher. Now David's the uh, um, president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz and this week. We're looking at the relevance of Easter in a post-biblical world. Uh, we've entitled the overall week, The Cross is Not Enough, and of course it's not because uh, without the resurrection, the cross would not be enough. Uh, Monday, we asked, uh, should I celebrate Easter? And we looked at some of the uh, some of the pagan traditions that have become connected uh, to this time of the year. And yesterday, uh, we asked, did Jesus really exist? Today, we're asking, did Jesus really rise from the dead and tomorrow we're going to dig in even more and uh, and look at the subject of well why does it matter why is it important that Jesus rose from the dead this is such a victory this is such a wonderful um uh, uh presentation tomorrow you must uh, join us uh, tomorrow between 5 and 6 but david look tell us, bring it all together for us we're starting to wind off there's a, uh, there's only a couple of minutes left on our on our time um how else i mean do we know that Jesus rose from the dead? Yeah, look, some really, really good evidence here, Gary. Um, uh, Luke 24, we've got the story of on that resurrection morning, Jesus uh, walking on the road of Emmaus, catches up with two disciples, Cleopas uh, and 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 another disciple. They don't recognize who he is. They're in grief and his, his uh, visage, his appearance is, is hidden from them, his identity. Anyway, he's conversing with them saying, well, what's going on here? And they say, where have you been all this time? Haven't you heard? what happened to Jesus of Nazareth? Anyway, uh, verse 21 of Luke 24 says this, and these are the disciples speaking to Jesus. It says, but we were hoping that it was he, talking of Mm. Jesus of Nazareth, Mm. who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened, talking of the crucifixion, obviously. Verse 22, yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
Now, it's interesting here, Gary, that the gospel accounts tell us that the women, ladies, were the first ones at the tomb, and they were the first witnesses to say that the tomb was empty. Mm. Now, this may not be an issue in Western culture, but if you go back into first century Judaism, uh, women were not considered credible witnesses. And this is so important because, uh, you know, as you came into the, uh, the court of law, you had to have a man to vouch, uh, vouch for you, not a woman. So if this was a false story, why did these Jewish men and Luke, who was a Greek, why did they write a story where the women were the first witnesses of an empty tomb? It doesn't make sense unless yeah. it's credible. Yeah. Uh, secondly, these men, as I said before, were, 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 uh, the disciples were just fearful. They were traumatized. Uh, they weren't deluded, though, because when the women came back and said, the Lord has risen, they didn't believe. They went to check for themselves. And then on um, that first uh, Sunday evening, Jesus comes and appears before them, and they finally believe. But one wasn't there, Thomas. Mm. He wasn't deluded. He's just a doubter. And he says, look, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my finger in his hands and in his side. And so the following uh, week, he Jesus appears and he actually touches those wounds. So these were not deluded men, but they were changed and transformed in an instant. Secondly, um, the next point I want to go to, Gary, is in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, this mm-hmm. chapter will be looked at extensively on tomorrow's program, but from an evidence perspective of the resurrection, let's start from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. And the Apostle Paul says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen, notice who the witnesses are, he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then by the twelve, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Now, First Corinthians was written in about A.D. 52 to mm-hmm. A.D. 55. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 30 to 33 years uh, after the crucifixion. And Paul is saying that many of those 500 are still alive. Mm. Now, if this was not true... All they had to do was either A, produce a body, or B, find some people who who could say and dispute what what was actually being said there. And 30-odd years is nothing in history. It's not. We're not talking hundreds or thousands of years, right? Uh, and then he says, so there was the 500, then there was Peter, then there was the 12, and then after that, in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 15, after that he was seen by James. Now, who was James? Brother of uh, the brother of Christ, and what do we know about James in the Gospels? If ever there was a doubter, it was uh, James. His brothers didn't believe in him, yeah. Yeah. and yet the reason why he appeared to James, or one of the reasons, and why there's a difference now, is because James has seen the risen Savior. Yeah. And then after James, it says, "Then by all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me." Mm. So. We've got groups of people and large groups of people that saw the risen Savior. And there are numerous accounts in the Gospels of Jesus, uh, 40 days after his resurrection, uh, engaging with people. Yeah. And then, of course, David, the thing that really jumps out at me as well is that these disciples, before Christ's resurrection, they're hiding in the upper room. But after his resurrection, they're prepared to go and sacrifice their lives. They go to the ends of the world in order to share this knowledge 
of a risen saviour. The, the message which they've got is Christ is risen, Christ is risen, Christ. They're going everywhere. Wouldn't you just go back to be a fisherman if you wanted an easy life, if this wasn't true? Well, consider all of them were persecuted. We've been talking about persecution earlier today. And all of them were persecuted. Most of them because suffered a martyr's death. All except for John. All except for John. And even he was persecuted and exiled. Yeah. So these men and women as well would not have risked their lives and lost their lives if it were not a true story. Yeah. But they had seen it. They had spent time with Jesus. Not only that, Gary, but the... Roman world was turned on its head by this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and certainly those first few centuries, that's exactly the way to describe it. The, uh, in fact, the scriptures talk about the world being turned upside down. Uh, because of these teachings. Because of these teachings, because of what Christ has actually done. You know, this has startled the entire then known, then known world. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if the world today could be turned upside down? And Gary, uh, scripture tells us it will happen again. It does. It does. Um, you know, Revelation 18 is very clear on, uh, on that particular on that particular matter, uh, David, really do appreciate what you're actually uh, actually saying saying there. Is there anything else you want to pull together? Yeah, I guess I just want to really encourage our listeners, um, and I'm assuming that maybe many people that are listening, uh, a lot of this is not new, and and they might be saying amen, or they might be even raising other uh, evidences. Yeah. But there might be some people listening, Gary, that um, maybe have drifted in their walk, or maybe uh, haven't really encountered uh, evidence for the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. But we can see the way the world is having, heading. Yeah. There is anarchy, there is chaos, there is destruction. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is. And he can only be the answer yeah. if he rose from the dead. And if, in fact, he rose from the dead, that has huge implications. We're going to look at that tomorrow. Uh, Fabiano and uh, Hugh are going to be, to be sharing on that. But, David, look, I'm wondering if right now, how would you feel about praying for uh, maybe any of our listeners who would like to accept Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Let's pray, Gary. Father in heaven, I'm reminded of the scripture that says, while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies, Jesus died for us. And so we want to thank you that uh, none of us are good, none of us are righteous, no, not one. And it doesn't matter what we've done or where we're at, whether we've slipped or whether we've stayed strong or whether we're new in our walk with Jesus or whether we are just wanting to explore. Father, I really pray that through your Holy Spirit that you want to give to each one of us, that you'll soften our hearts, that you will open them, that you'll convict us that Jesus came, that God gave of himself and Jesus became a sacrifice for us. But it's not just a sacrifice or a death, there is a resurrection and because of the resurrection we can have life. So Lord, I just pray for our listeners that if anyone is questioning, if anyone is yearning, may they invite you into their lives. May they say, Lord, I accept you. I recognize that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life and take control. Father, we pray this prayer and we thank you that your word is true, that your word is life-changing, and that one day when you return, your word will change us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan will be your hosts, and they're going to spend the entire time looking at the question, does it matter? 
if Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, and this is a powerful presentation. Uh, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 15 tomorrow. Really look forward to uh, being with you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.